Hey everybody, welcome to the Freecast. I'm your host, Matthew Weber. I'm joined by Vincent Hui. It's up. It's like we're the only two that ever do this podcast. Where the fuck is Ricky? He's I mean, there's busy. There's like a third person here, but we don't. If he's absent any more of these episodes, we're not going to remember his fucking name. <laughs> all right, uh, he's gonna become roger all of a sudden we're like who the fuck's roger <laughs> that's a joke you'll you'll only know if you were if you've been listening the whole time through <laughs> yep rick um, we still love you man it's okay we wait for you to come back man screw your kids your kids don't need a father i mean come on <laughs> anyways um this is the three cast normally we review movies tv shows um comic books we really need a comic book Again, yeah but, yeah you're right you're absolutely they take, right they take so long and and usually the ones that we do are either mine which are terrible or ricky who, who chooses like 150 novels well uh, i think that's the problem because i think the, the, the they tend to be either really like exactly one of those two extremes but the last one that i remember that was really successful was the um uh, unjustice league or what, what was it the um the one where like Superman goes bad and then it's like Batman and, and making a cadre, a cabal of people fighting uh, Superman and then the Flash and all that stuff. And and I thought that was an interesting one. It was like, uh, was it Injustice or something? Yeah, Remember that's that? when they made the video game on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? Yeah. It was like an easy read, like honestly, because it's based on a video game, right? So there's very little text, but... Uh, it has to have been five years ago. <laughs> yeah, but I remember that one being a really good one because it was just like a very thought-provoking one, and and it was like an easy read because well, it's just images and it's based on a video game. So come on, man, how hard can it be? But yeah. it did bring up some interesting ideas, and and believe it or not, that that had like multiple series. Like there was like different uh, series after it. Like we just only read the first two, I think, or first one, but there was like five or something series after that. Yeah, we're definitely gonna have to find a. a a comic book to do again because it's, it's been a it's been a minute it's been quite yeah. a lot wow all right but it, it's, but, it's tricky it's tricky man i'm telling you right it, now it's hard it, to find because they make these long protracted story arcs now because i guess that's the way they sell comics but um it's well, hard to get yeah, small digestible if if you choose something that's older that's been around forever there's so much to choose from and they're all long mm-hmm. if you choose something new like i tried to do you end up with hitlers and dogs or something yep. you yep. know because you don't know what you're getting into i mean there's all this new fangled modern shit um anyways um but that's not what we normally do today we're going to talk a little bit of uh, uh covid19 pandemic technology related stuff so mm-hmm. uh vince you chose this topic why don't you uh introduce us okay so uh, i'm gonna have a long segue in this one but we were just talking matt before we start recording about the issue with luddites and technology the fact that let's be honest here all of the listeners you've probably had to take a moment to help one of your friends one of your parents or some other elderly or senior uh friend who probably didn't know how to use the computer properly. And you could understand that if you don't have the ability to, at the very least, navigate basic interfaces with computers, you know, you might as well be living in a cave or you might as well, honestly, like I talked to a couple of my colleagues who are seniors, they're like, if it weren't for the phone, I would not be connected to anybody right now. I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot. People actually phone and talk. Right, like um, <laughs> that's so weird. <laughs> I, I know, I know, I know, I know. I, but but the, the only thing time is, I use the phone is to, is to call for pizza. <laughs> And oh, even yeah, most yeah. of the time, I just use an app to do that now. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, so the thing is that th- there's a great divide that's happening right now, and I'm not going to talk about the old versus the young or the tech haves versus the tech nots, um, but I'm talking about the divide that's going to that that's 
you know, starting to become a little bit more evident uh, today. Uh, I know that, and it's, it's I think it's going to have dramatic effects in the future. And that's pretty much the fact that as we're watching the world kind of go into phase two or whatever you want to call it, right? I know that in states, like a whole whack load of states went back into like, yeah, opening up the, the, the kind of businesses. And we're seeing a huge second wave of kind of um, disease and pestilence arising. But it's coming about from people just being stuck at home, cabin fever, locked up, and then finally they get a chance to just get out there and go to the water parks, go to the, you know, um, the, the restaurants and just, you know, drink and stuff. And the thing that we've realized now is that two things. A, people are going to have to face the reality that our typical ways of inter entertainment have changed um, in the physical realm, and certainly there's a corresponding change in digital. So let me put this out there. We know that... Um, I don't think very many of you guys would have really said, you know what, once the pandemic's over, I'm going to go see a movie, right, in a movie theater, right, or that I'm going to be put in a box with other people to do something, right, because we do know as much as you might think that you're immune, if you're young, you might think that you're never going to get it, the fact of the matter is that it's still contagious, right, and going into close quarters uh, with people is dangerous, we know that speaking loudly or singing, we know that that um, really serves as a point of exacerbating uh, contagion, right? That That's actually a really dangerous point. Um, so we're seeing things like movie theaters and um, auditoria, like concerts, all those things, even restaurants, right? Those are all forms of entertainment that, you know, may or may not actually have huge impact uh, changes in the, in the near future. At the same time, we're seeing the digital uh, discussion, right? And we talked about this earlier um, in an earlier podcast, but the reality is that with all of this online content coming out, like, I mean, honestly, with that quarantine going down, who hasn't watched Tiger King? Who hasn't, like, you know, binge watched an entire, like, series, right? Because we've had so much time and we're so used to downloading stuff. And we talked about this earlier where it's gotten so bad that, you know, Europe, Canada, I'm not sure if in the States they actually um, started lowering or downgrading the signals for Netflix, right? You couldn't get they it, did for, it They did it for YouTube here. I'm not sure if they did for Netflix. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, but, you, like, you can, you can up, up. You can change up back up to 1080p, but it's now default at 480. Ah, yep, yep. And that, that, that's because we're now consuming more of our online entertainment digitally. And you may recall, I'm not sure if you saw this, but uh, a while ago when Nintendo Switch's uh, Animal Crossing came out, I'm not sure if you saw a whole bunch of... That came out right right at the peak of like people starting to be aware of the kind of social distancing and, and the shutdown. And a lot of stores, at least in Canada, some stores actually had like huge lineups of people going in for Animal Crossing, right? Like it just launched and people lined up and they were basically in contravention of the kind of social distancing uh, parameters that we kind of have instigated across the world, right? So we've now noticed that more, pe more people are not only streamlining stream um, streaming content for watching Netflix and Amazon Prime and what have you. But we're also realizing that people are increasingly going into the digital realm and downloading video games and what have you, right? And it's really started shifting things because honestly, if you asked me a year ago, if I would be downloading and watching or streaming a lot of shows, I'd be like, no, I, I'll take whatever I can get. But I find that I'm like, you know, every night I'm streaming both, I'm watching like uh, talk shows on YouTube, right? Like I'm very fortunate that I'm seeing YouTube content for like, um, you know, uh, the late show, the late, late show, whatever. I'm seeing the monologues there. And then also, um, you know, I'll, I'll go on to Netflix and watch, uh, you know, Money Heist or something. And I know that with my daughter or something, she, she'd be watching stuff. So we're all increasingly streaming stuff. And at the same time, this is the first time that it dawned on me that, you know, I was like, should I go to a store to buy this video game? 
or should I stream it and sorry, download it and put it on my console, right? And normally I would only download stuff if there was like some exclusive or whatever, right? But like, you know, I just sat there going, oh my God, I am, I, I effectively can just live in my house and get a huge swath of my entertainment digitally at my home. And then that also brought up, like, you know, I like going to the odd concert, right? Albeit it's not like a rave or something like, you know, a rock concert. I'm going to, like, you know, say the symphony to hear, like, you know, when they have a... Uh, Vince down there or, in the mosh pit, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, like, you know, when there's, like, a, you know, if there's a John Williams kind of thing or, or like, you know, best of musicals thing or a tribute, I'm going to go and go there. And and we know that, you know, that's putting me beside a whole bunch of other people that, you know, let's be honest here, the audience that I'm going to be hanging out with is older. So if I start coughing, I'm, already, I'm probably... If I had COVID, I'd probably be killing a bunch of people, right? So it just, I just thought that it was interesting in just that the past month or so, like I was realizing, oh my God, a lot of entertainment now is going to be digitally focused. And it's not to say that this is a novelty. This has been a trend. But I think the coronavirus has really kind of made people more aware that, you know, what is the value of going to those physical spaces, right? And then just look at how much stuff is digital. Like, I mean, you may have seen even just this past uh, week with the PS5 uh, announcement, right? Or was it last week? The PS5 got announced and they have a version of it which doesn't even have a, a, a disc um, a receiver. Like, it, it's just all based on digital content, right? So that made me think, oh my God, once you get, like, you can Amazon to order this console, and then you can just stream all the games onto it. You can stream movies and whatever. Is there ever a need now to get out of your home? Is it basically that your existence digitally is now effectively increasingly becoming your real existence, right? So I, I thought that was interesting. And I thought that I just start off this episode talking about that kind of, not existential issue, but just a, it's an interesting kind of thing just looking at what's going on in the last five years, for example. Look at how much stuff we've done online uh, since five years ago, and certainly look at people like me who have really had to change in the last, you know, several months based on just the pandemic, right? I'm not sure if that's the same thing with you, Matt, but I see that not only with myself, but also with my colleagues, too. Right. So it hasn't changed so much to me because I've, I've worked from home for a couple of years now. But, you know, I, you know, I see a lot of people who are change, you know, have had to change. Um, I the, the interesting thing, Vince, is there's so many, I mean, we talked about this in our last one that we talked about COVID-19. There's so many different interesting and, uh, I mean, I mean, when people are dying, you, you hate to say, well, you know, this is interesting, but it's interesting how this is affecting our culture. And, and there's, it's, there's so many different aspects of, you know, you can look at, you can look at, uh, you know, not only how is it affecting people, how, you know, we get entertainment and, and things like that, but it's also affecting more deeper technological issues like, uh, people who don't have broadband or um even those who do uh data caps and infrastructure that you know running to the curb you know mm -hmm. th there's all these things that you, you know i mean i mean this doesn't really have to do with entertainment but like uh grocery pickup they said i was reading somewhere online that they that um the COVID 19 crisis has propelled um grocery pickup and delivery services for 10 years and three months they, they, they wouldn't, they, the experts or whatever, I mean, for what they're, you know, whatever experts could be in this area, uh, weren't expecting where we are now in terms of grocery pickup to happen for like another 10 years and we're there. Um, and it's, and I think that's the same thing with, um, with streaming digital. I think that a lot of what we're doing now to get entertainment would have eventually happened and become the norm, you know, eventually in the next few years anyways and we talked about that last year when we did the streaming up streaming mm -hmm. media episode um how eventually streaming 
was going to become what everybody did. And I, I think we said that it was going to take, but it was going to take years to happen. Um, but we're there, right? Yeah. I mean, it's happened. Everybody's streaming now. But then uh, that, but then this is the, the like. I mean, we've talked about a couple of these issues already. But the the thing that I wanted to hit up also was just the fact that. So then, what happens to the conventional physical things that we do? Like, I mean, I, I, I assume I you still strange. went to the theater, right? You still went to the mall every so often to buy stuff, and it wasn't because you need to just buy yeah. stuff. Sometimes it's just like I got to get out of the house. I want to just browse a little bit, right? Um, you know, I I just think that it's really interesting to see that entertainment are we just really made to consume right and then also um is 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 it so easy to digitally translate all the content that i would have got like say in a theater or in a in, a, in an auditorium right is it just that easy because we've seen like stuff like this like disney plus it's actually going to post up hamilton right it's going to post up hamilton in july yeah. right the biggest musical in the last decade is pretty much going online for streaming i, I don't exactly know how disney pulled it off but great more power to them but to me, that, that's nuts, the fact that you're, you're basically putting stage productions, like, understandably, if it was, like, archival, if it was, like, you know, 10 years out, like, you know, the show must continue, go on kind of thing, I, I get that. But th the fact that they're putting on recent hits online for streaming, that to me is strange. I mean, it's like it's like when you see people do. I'm gonna have a video, of, a, a DVD of the uh, of like Hamlet, and and it's like uh, watching a stage production of Hamlet on DVD. It's like it doesn't feel right. So, so I'm just thinking, is that is that the way we're going with content? What's the value now of going to a real theatrical performance, right? Yeah, I think I think that that is the way that it will go. At least for oh, a you're while. killing me, Matt. You're killing me. Um, I, I think that a lot of the stuff will be streamed, right? Um, and, and the thing is, Vince, you and I are both you know, we both love musicals, right? I mean, yep. we're, we're both musicals guys. And if you've ever watched a Hollywood shot musical, mm -hmm. like say Les Mis. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you know that there's a huge difference. I mean, a huge difference between the, the, the stage production and that crappy movie that they put out. I mean, Brandon, you can put a lot of that on Russell Crowe. He can't sing his way out of a paper bag. He's only in like 15% of the scenes. Just, just let it go, man. <laughs> I can't let it go. He, he can't sing. He ruins everything. Um, he's he ruined my life. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, there, there, there's a difference because I mean some of it is perspective so like when you're sitting in, in, a, in a theater you only have one perspective you're looking at the stage and when things when a perspective or a scene needs to change they need to change the scenery and but you're, you're still sitting in the same spot whereas with you know tv shows you know there's different cameras right you know there's cameras yep. perspectives and things like that so it's completely different but I think I think that I don't think that they're going to get past that difference because it's always going to be different, but I think it'll be interesting to see as we see more and more um, like theater productions put online or streamed or whatever. Um, I, I think that they'll innovate to make things more interesting. At least I hope so. Like, but since we were our, I mean, we were already seeing some live versions of, uh, of, productions on like tv so there was like the uh, sound of music i think they did they did the yep. producers right um yep. and, i mean and that was spray and everything yep yeah yeah so i mean they were already doing this and those, and those were amazing successes even though i didn't watch any of them um <laughs> i didn't watch them because like i like i don't care how good they are they're not going to be as good as the production show um but i think that we'll see more and more stuff like that um because i mean tv is gonna i mean we, we can talk about the big screen and how Hollywood is going to change, but 
Yeah. I don't know if you uh, like if you if you watch like uh, I don't know if you guys get HGTV up there. It's like the Home where people go to buy television. Yeah, it's like, they go. People go around and buy houses and yeah, and flip houses. Flip yeah, houses yeah. And stuff. yeah. So obviously they can't go through and do that in the COVID thing. So they've come up with different ways of filming things. Basically, designers from home. You know, so they come up with new. The same thing with like the TLC, where they they have like the the uh, um, the ninety day fiance is is. Oh my, my god! Are you my, serious, man? You watching my, that stuff? My mom watches. It. I can't help it. Um, <laughs> I don't know, spend sure. time with my my mom watches. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Three events. It's totally the truth. Um, <laughs> but anyways, they have like a they're like on a Zoom meeting half the time, right? It's like they're all they're filming this from home. So that's how TVs. At least that real life TV is is finding a way to change. It'll be interesting, and and they're being forced to come up with new ways to you know create new content um, because you can't have people in the same spot anymore. So it's going to be interesting to see how like reality TVs, like mm-hmm. Big Brother and Survivor and all those things. I mean, uh, th- there are rumors that they're going to do a Big Brother. I mean, I'm a, I know, I know, I, I like Big Brother, but they do that. Uh, they do. Um, there's rumors that they're going to do that. Um, and try to do that this summer like normal mm-hmm. um like but and survivor and the i mean like the amazing race will probably still be going on because that's like you know well that's like all the streets are empty even better <laughs> yeah 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 so I mean, but it's gonna be very it's gonna be completely different right so I mean, they're finding different ways i think i think that's the key is that they're gonna find different ways to do the things that we've always done mm-hmm. um i just think it's gonna take a while and it's gonna depend on how i i think that they um a lot of the like the the, the delay in new content is mm-hmm. that they're hoping that the, you know the summer and fall that they can go through and just film things like normal. Well, um, you know what's it's funny because I I thought that um, I think we're we're talking a lot about the production side of things and I'll talk about the know, consumer yeah. side of things. But but you know what I think that um, we we noticed also that like uh, Major League Bi- Baseball for example is considering canceling out um, and it's not because of just the fact that players have to be quarantined and like secure an entire like team staff have to be quarantined right like i know for hockey for example they're talking about having certain hub cities where teams play but then that means the teams the players the support managers the staff and all that stuff they all have to kind of live in one hotel you saw with the nba they're going to be holding it all in disneyland or disney world i can't remember yeah and they can't have they can't have visitors for like six weeks yeah exactly but you see here's the thing like i thought it was interesting to see that come about because it's devoid of an audience right we used to saw recently i can't remember which which tennis tournament was like the wimbledon or something it's going to be also without not audience but i thought it was really cool to see like you know do you remember who was the first person that proposed having pay-per-views without an audience Mm-mm. it was actually dana white from ufc now you might remember this because it was one of those things where like you know he's got he's got kind of wacky ideas sometimes but it's just interesting because obviously it's going to come out of the ufc but he said picture this uh, imagine you get the best fighters from around the world, you put them on the island, and they fight each other in tournaments. And I was like, isn't that the plot of Mortal Kombat? No. Isn't, that's what, isn't, that, hung, isn't that what Hunger Games is about? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was just funny because he's like, yeah, this one it was like, you know, two men enter, one man leaves. And it's like, that's what they did. They basically created an island or like they, they basically 
um, he was proposing, I'm going to make an island. It's called Fight Island. And you basically get quarantined and stuff and you're going to fight. And then basically you stay there, you train lots of, I thought that was kind of interesting. And then they actually pulled it off. Like, I'm not sure if they have like one venue in, in an island, one uh, venue still in Las Vegas in their headquarters. But I just thought that was kind of cool to see that. And I'm not saying one thing or the other about the UFC itself, but I thought it was interesting to see that the company itself is trying to make money and continue standard operations without its audience, but still profiting by having that kind of, again, the digital media, right? Like you're, you're, you're watching it off your high, high definition television, streaming that stuff live. Right. And it's capitalizing on the fact that, you know, they aren't relying on the physical asses and seats to generate the revenue necessarily, but they're using the the you know the production to actually get people to to pay for it, right? Which so so that's the thing that I want to put out there uh, on the on the production end of things. But I want to also come back to the kind of uh, not the production, but also the consumer side of things because. The biggest thing that we're talking about is the fact that we're having no audience. That's where effectively the organizers of these different, you know, uh, entertainment uh, organizations, they're basically saying, no, 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 it's not that the performers, like we can, we can, we can in- investigate and quarantine and protect our our our, our players and 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 our fighters and stuff, but it's the audience, right? You got like thousands of people sitting there in really close proximity, they're screaming at top of lungs, aerating a lot of their saliva into the air. That's gross, right? But that's also ripe for a pandemic, right? So the thing that is interesting to me is, again, it draws attention to the fact that we as a paying spectator audience no longer has to be physically there, right? So whether it's watching theater and like, let's say, for example, Matt, how would you feel if I did this? If you put on a VR set at home, but then you had a corresponding, like you could pay for a virtual seat. So there's a tripod with a with a motion camera on it so that you can tilt your head to the left, the camera tilts itself to the left. So you can see what's going on on the big stage, Right. Do you not see that as an opportunity? Because then it's effectively, you can leave the cameras there. They, they can still have the charge, like maybe instead of a hundred bucks a seat, maybe you charge like 50 bucks a seat, but you still get people doing it, right? And that might still keep everyone employed. I just thought that that was probably where you would see a lot more, one direction where you'd see if, if the pandemic continues this way, you might see the operations of those types of venues. But at the same time, I look at how movie theaters work, right? Well, come on, man. We've seen movie theaters repeatedly hold back on the release of movies, right? Like we've seen um, everything from Disney holding back on Mulan to even posting up some of its own content that was supposed to come up with the the, the epic movie or whatever. It, it came out on Disney Plus like a week after the pandemic happened, even though it was in theaters, right? We've seen Black Widow and a bunch of other movies kind of delayed and they're, they're announced for later on. But the reality is that I think they're just trying to do it as an emergency thing to recoup their costs. But moving forward, if people aren't going to be able to get their butts into movie theaters, I mean, why would they? Because it's just getting the same content. I can uh, instead I could be at home, put on a headphone set of headphones, put on like a, a, a like put get a big screen monitor. It's almost the same. It's not quite, but like why are we even bothering going to a theater now, right? So so to me, it seems like I could just get everything at home. And then that's where it's the audience now becoming the arbiters of what is going to be entertainment as it's streamed digitally to my house. Yeah, it's that VR thing that you're talking about, Vince. That's really mm-hmm. interesting. Um, uh, I think if, uh, I mean, I think it's, obviously, I think it's technologically possible. Well, it's, um, it's it's also accessible too. I mean, like a VR set is no longer like what one thousand dollar or whatever Oculus. Now it's, is like, it, it's it, kind of is it though? I mean, I mean, I mean, obviously it's accessible monetarily and and you know, like it's available anybody anybody can buy it. But like if I handed my mom 
a, a VR headset and told her, here, use this. Go watch she'd 90 Day Fiance on, on VR. Yeah, she'd probably shoot me, you know? I mean, I mean, I, I mean we were talking before the show about the, the divide between people who can't, I mean, we didn't really want to get into the whole can't have and have not thing, but I mean, I think, I think as we come up with new technological solutions for not being able to sit in audiences, it's going to leave a lot of people out, right? So, I mean, there, there's that aspect of it. Um, but even if we don't talk about that, there's, um, there's, uh, like, if, if, I don't know how to say this. The it's words now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, was, I, I, I was thinking about 90, 90 day fiance, Vince. I got distracted. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, and I totally lost what I was what I was, was going to say. Well, so, well so um, we're talking about accessibility, <laughs> but see, see, to me, the thing about the accessibility thing is that you take a look at, and we've been talking about concerts and movies and, and music and stuff, but I also want to draw attention to the fact that one of the first um, industry that really capitalized on on this kind of VR of space was, of course, tourism, right? And specifically museums. Like, we, we noticed that um, you, you probably saw a bunch of uh, things coming up like in April or thereabouts when people realized that the pandemic is going a little bit longer than expected. So what they've done is they've done everything from like, you know, having a virtual tour so you can navigate on screen. You just click on various hotspots and you can do 360 pans, look up, look down. And of course, you could put on a headset if you want to. But of course, you can just simply navigate that, you know, location and that viewing cone on a screen. And you can be literally in a virtual like, you know, Louvre and see the Mona Lisa without all the hubbub, without the two hour lineup to get in there. Right. And tons of like, uh, you know, tourists getting in your way. What you'd get is a really decent experience and exposure. Right. And instead of only having that five minutes in front of the Mona Lisa, guess what? You can spend like the whole entire day just looking at it, zooming in, zooming out of it. Right. And it's like as if you're in the gallery because the ambient light of that 3, 3D virtual space is there. So. I just thought it was interesting to see once again another mode of you know entertainment is now being very progressive, but also being mounted on a digital platform, right? Well, I guess in that aspect, it would make it more accessible than it is in real life because I, I never, I never been to Paris. I, I could view that in that situation, right? So I mean, it does in that way. It would open up to more people than it would in in normal ways. Exactly. Um, I would 100% agree with that. And that's the thing that's coming out, right? which is, again, why am I having to leave my room? Like, I virtually and digitally have access to a lot of the entertainment that I wouldn't have, uh, that not only would I would have had uh, wanted to partake in, like if I wanted to watch XYZ movie, I can get it, stream it, right? XYZ game, got it. Uh, you know, to a certain degree, you know, certain theatrical productions, it's available. But now even like the fact that instead of having to go to Paris, as we discussed, like this is even more accessible. I don't have to uh, buy an Oculus Quest for the first part or uh, you know, Oculus Rift or something to, to get there. I can just do it on screen. And as long as I have an internet connection, which comes back to that divide of the digital uh, access. But, you know, essentially, I, I wouldn't have gone and spent tons of money for a hotel and traveled to Paris. But now I can actually see the, 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 the Mona Lisa in the, in the museum. And it's actually a better experience, quite frankly, right? I don't have to worry about these tourists hitting me and knocking me and just being told, Vince, keep move along, move along, right? Um, and, and that, to me, is something that uh, up until this point has been something very, very uh, intangible. Like, to be able to say, I can sit in front of the Mona Lisa forever for as long as I want, that's that's pretty damn impressive, man. Yeah. You know, so I think in, in like, five or ten years or something like that, I mean, obviously, the way we consume 
entertainment is going to ch- is changed forever. Um, but in five or ten years, it'd be really interesting because you know, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist or any of those, those things. It'd be inter- yeah, it'd, it'd be interesting to see the studies that come out in a few years about how this has in- impacted mental health and our ability to interact with actual human beings. Because um, I, I, the, what we're basically we're describing is we're all turning into agoraphobics. We're afraid mm-hmm. to go out of the house, right? So. Uh, the inter- uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, a lot of this, Vince, depends on how long this goes for. If yes. two years from now, this is still going on and the coronavirus hasn't just become the flu. I mean, because I mean, the flu is obviously a, a dangerous thing. And it's not quite as dangerous as the coronavirus, but there's a, like there's a vaccine for it. You get your flu shot every year, you know, and basically you're you're safe. Um and if the coronavirus doesn't turn into that kind of situation where there's a vaccine and we can go back to being fairly normal, it, 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 you know, the way things are now, it's obviously going to be more permanent than it would be if this ends in January. Mm-hmm. You know, if in, if in January they somehow come out with a with a vaccine and they, I, I, mean, I mean, we can talk about the, the, the absurdity that is going to be the vaccine situation. Because if they come out with a vaccine, Vince, that means they're going to have to come up with 7 billion doses of it, like, immediately. Yeah. Yeah, because if, if they come out and say, well, we have 100,000 doses, who are you going to give those 100,000 doses to? You know, I mean, obviously they should go to like the healthcare workers, but I mean, there's going to be fucking riots in the streets, you know, for those fucking 100,000 doses. It's going to be a madhouse, but that's yeah. you know, beside, the, <laughs> beside the point. Um, so like I said, it's going to depend a lot on how long this goes on for, how long it takes to distribute a vaccine once we have one. Um, and even then... Even if it does end, you know, in January or February or whatever, sometime next year, you know, some of these things are going to remain the same. So, like, working from home is mm-hmm. going to be something that's much more not only attainable but much more popular than it was beforehand. So, I mean, a lot of a lot of companies are going to just jump right at the opportunity to reduce their need to pay rent, like so they can go to different yeah. smaller offices and have the majority of their workforce work from home. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, your province education is going to change from this. There's going to no! be a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's going to be a lot more online courses um, at this. I, I I don't think that uh, universities are going to physical universities are going to go away. Um, I think that you know once it's safe to do so, there's going to be a lot more. There's going to be in-person classes and exams and things like that before. But there's going to be more now that students have had the. I mean, a lot of students didn't have experienced online learning before never right. wanted to experience it but now that they have and gotten used to it and have been able to um you know form their schedules around it and learn how you know they manage their time and stuff you know as an online student a lot of those are going to say well, why do i want to go to campus i mean I yeah mean, like i mean you're you're absolutely right and that's the thing i you know we're kind of veering from entertainment but like yeah, you, know, might well, you might as well go, I, no, I, but we I, might as well go i keep going off topic Vince, I'm sorry. No, but we might as well talk about that one because i think that a lot of listeners the demographics would be that it's not just simply um entertainment but i think that some people are facing with education and, and the reality is that i i am dealing with admissions right now and enrollments and um we're getting a lot of uh signals from high school applicants that 
some students are like, look, man, I, I want to get the full real university experience. So they're actually deferring. They're actually deferring their first year of university. And I was like, why would you do that? Because what else are you going to do? Like, <laughs> you're not going to go outside and get a job because guess what? The, the, the kind of the place is all shut down. So, you know, what better time than, than now to kind of just hunker down and get a jump on improving your education base, right? Um, so we're seeing that. We're also realizing that the universities in response uh, they've actually jacked up their offers, right? Like, so if a program was to take 100 students and they uh, were to usually offer 150 offers to, to kind of make sure that knowing full well that 50% or uh, there about 50 people would say no, um, you know, we're seeing that uh, some of the universities are jacking up uh, offers to like, you know, uh, twice as many, right? Just because they want to kind of scattershot and make sure that they get as many people coming in. Um, the other thing is that from an online side of things, you mentioned it and we talked about it again. It just keeps on coming back about that demographic issue. The, the reality is that we're going to be faced with a lot of profs who, um, you know, everyone else in the world has been able to kind of update from working from home. But certain things like education, it's not as though you can just record a lecture and then just be like, done, I've done my job. We know that you know, there's a certain amount of attention span, right? There's a certain type of ways to like uh, teach that might not be conducive to going online. Um, uh, certainly for, for example, for architecture, right? Especially in the first year or so, you, you kind of got to start making drawings and physical models and stuff. And if if that's not there, you're not going to be like cutting up a model in mom's kitchen floor or something, yeah, right? Like the science, the sciences are going to have a really hard time because like, oh yeah, how, how do you, how do you, I mean, unless you have your own Bunsen burner at home, I mean, well, you, you, <laughs> people do just to, everyone's going to die like in a meth lab accident or something. <laughs> yes. Like I was, I, I wasn't, wasn't a meth lab, but I was trying to do a chemistry experiment. It's going to, I'm going to, and instead of having like a have to you know have frogs and formaldehyde, you have to you'll go out and catch yourself a toad outside. <laughs> yeah, well, that, no, but that's that's exactly like and and worse still. Um, I'm not sure if you know about this because you're too far removed from this, but um, I should mention this in in schooling uh, for at least Canada, a lot of universities did the following because the pandemic kind of caught us all off by off guard, right? Like it happened in the middle of the the, the school term, right? So. As a student, for example, Matt, if you were a student doing okay, and then suddenly the pandemic happened, and you had to move back to your hometown, right? Like, say, for example, you went to, like, New York City for university, and then you had to come back home, right, to Michigan, right? Um, so, so that's, like, commuting, that's stress, right? And then also, like, if your course was chemistry, right, and you no longer had labs, like, how are you supposed to do this? So a lot of the universities, they basically said, hey, Matt, based on your performance, um, you can still write the exam and stuff, but we're going to give you your grade. And at the end of the term, you're going to see your grade for the whole entire course. You can opt to, if you got like a 55 instead of a 75, right, that you were expecting. What you can do, Matt, the university gives you the option. So you can say, I want to take a credit. It will not affect adversely my CGPA, but I'm just going to take a credit. So it doesn't alter my grade point average, right? However, obviously, if you failed, then you still fail, right? But the kids have an option to either just get a pass if they didn't do so well, or they can opt to take the grade because, you know, you busted your hump to get like an 85 instead of a 75. Well, again, guess what? You have the ability to use that to count towards your CGPA. A lot of universities have done that in light of the pandemic, right? Um, and I just thought that that was interesting because we're faced with um, the reality that that's the universities acknowledging the fact that an online model of learning, at least especially when you're jumping to an emergency situation, it's not the same. 
And I think I can agree with some of the points that people would say about not going back to university in the fall because the quality of education is not going to be the same. I'm not going to say it's less because I'm going to be one of those profs that's going to bust his ass to make sure that it's a damn good job. You know, it's, it's a damn good education. But I know that sometimes it's just hard for other profs to to kind of put that extra, extra level of effort. And also for them to like, how do you manipulate? Like if I was in, say, um, I don't know, physiotherapy or nursing. How do you do, how do you teach people how to like, you know, remove a catheter or like, you know, uh, do incisions on like, what? Uh, like you're talking about finding toads outside. What are you gonna do? Find people outside your building? Uh, like just, yeah. hey, what's it, does this smell like chloroform? Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, things are, all right. So it's really gonna be really interesting. But here's what I think is, I don't know if it's going to happen, but I think maybe, maybe it should happen or maybe it's just one idea. Um, I mean, obviously, for one thing, there's opportunities. And I want to come back to that in a minute. But okay. um, like in terms of the labs and, and in-person things, it, I think that things are going to have to become hyper-local. So instead of a, a huge university in Toronto being like, you know, how, how many students go to Ryerson? Um, about 30,000. But a huge, a huger university would be about uh, 80,000. There's, there's, right, right. there's a couple. Yeah. Michigan State has like 60,000 now, or they did before before okay. this, right? Um and it's like the second largest university of Michigan. Um, but instead of that gigantic Petri dish of people that all go to East <laughs> Lansing, right? Mm-hmm. It, instead, there's going to have to be smaller, like off campus, like get together. So like, if, I mean, obviously this is going to be, be really hard on the pr- professors and you're going to have to have an influx of like teaching assistants or whatever to do this if you were going to do it this way mm-hmm. but like you, in, in, you, instead of having one gigantic lab that, or whatever that has you know several different um you know uh meetings over the week or, you know of like 30 or 40 students you have meetings that are outside of campus like in smaller towns or whatever away from or in suburbs or whatever where smaller groups like of 10 people can get together and do the labs um, do the social distancing thing, but still meet in person, right? So, and, and obviously that's going to be, it's going to be really hard for like people, like if you love, if you're in, go to Ryerson, whatever, and you live in like a suburb of Toronto, commuting is not going to be a huge deal. But if you live in, you know, London and go to Ryerson or, you know, Iran or whatever, you know, yep. um, that's impossible. So that stuff's going to have to be digitized. But for those more local students, smaller meetings, I think that's probably going to be, at least for the foreseeable future, the the um, that's going to be the way in-person learning is going to have to go is smaller groups instead of these huge, humongous classes, right? If you're yeah. going to have in-person, it's going to have to be smaller. Um, but I want to get back to opportunities. Like, if we're going to see more and more online learning, mm-hmm. there's going to be two things that are going to have to happen. University is going to have to be cheaper. Oh, uh, don't get me on that one too. Okay, I, no, it's, it's good. No, it's good. Let's talk this, man. So, like, universe. I, I, if I were just an online student and I never visited campus, not even a single time, or maybe just for graduation or whatever, you know, I wouldn't want to pay a hundred thousand dollars for an education. I mean, I understand that education is still going to be expensive, but it shouldn't be as expensive as, as if you were in person. So, there, there's that aspect of. It. But, but also, if if you're you're moving all of your education online what's to say you only have to go to one university let's say there's a professor at ryerson that's really great his name is vincent boy you know you. you want to take his you want to want to take his classes but there's also an architecture professor that goes that teaches at nyu mm-hmm. you know why not be able to take both you know i mean i mean yeah. well, i mean it'd be i mean 
it'd be because I mean now you're online, you can now do that, but it would take uh, different infrastructure infrastructure that currently than currently exists. It'll take interaction between universities in order to do that. So I mean, like NYU and Ryerson would have to, you know, yep. you know, talk about grades yeah. and how things. So, I mean, obviously that's not where we are now, but that's a possibility that could happen. You know, like, like I want to take, you know, I, you know, I'm a history major. There, there's a there's a guy in NYU. I don't know if he's still there. And I think it was uh, Granderson or Granderson. I think it was his name. Um, you know, I, I always wanted to take one of his his classes when I went to Michigan State, but I didn't have the opportunity because I was in, you know. As I was at Michigan State, you know, you don't take, I mean, obviously there's like um, study abroad or whatever, where you'd go to a different university, but this, mm-hmm. would, this would be one class for one semester because you're at home. What does it matter? You, you know what? That you're, you're right. So, so just let me hit up a couple of things. Um, I would agree with you on a lot of things uh, when it comes to like tuition should be cheaper, but not for the same reasons. Um, I think tuition should be cheaper because the students wouldn't be actually using resources like, say, the gym or, um, uh, I don't know, like like certain upkeep for, for the building might not necessarily be, be their thing. Like they're not using the lab, so they shouldn't have to pay lab fees, for example, right? So I, I get that. Um, but at the same time, listen, guys, if, if you understand, like if you've ever had to teach someone how to do something, like if you, again, if you would ask yourself- well, we, want you get, uh, we want you to get paid, Vince. For no, 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 listen, listen, listen. But the, the, the thing I'm saying is like, if you've ever had to teach grandma or your parents how to use, like say, let's talk about that, Google Docs, right? Um, you know that at some point, just describing it to them in person is easy and you can show them, right? But then when you say, oh crap, it's online, you will say, well, I got to make a video, right? So that content has to be created, right? And and that's the thing that some people aren't aware of, right? And of course, you could say, well, Vince, you've been teaching this all the time, so just teach the same thing but put it online. But for the same reasons why we just talked about all this issue about digital media, there's only so much attention span you got. There's a difference in pedagogy, difference in kind of retention. So we as educators are supposed to be able to modify. Like, if you're getting the same type of education great then yeah that, that that makes sense but we're changing up the teaching model that that forces us to have to recreate some some content right and don't get me wrong i understand too that like once you've made it vince can't you use it again and again and again yeah you're right i mean if i was a crappy prof i could make up a lecture today and give it in class in regular conventional classes and then repeat again and again and again but there's no way in hell I'm doing that because I'm not that kind of garbage prof, right? Because stuff changes every day that I got to update. So I, I, I just, I, I know both sides of the coin. And I, but I would say that if we continue on a long-term basis to go online, uh, we would likely find ways to save money for the tuition. The second part is uh, when it comes to taking courses elsewhere, I would definitely agree. And quite frankly, um, if they're like the European schools really have a good job of that. The universities in Europe, basically, there's a lot of um, uh, interoperability uh, for courses and a lot of um, uh, parity uh, that, that that exists. Um, so I think the North Americans, mm, Canada, uh, America, even from private to public to state, I mean, come on, man. You know that if you were taking something like at Harvard versus, say, um, I don't know, uh, any state school, right, there would be the argument that they're not, even though that like history... Is, is history is history, right? It doesn't matter if it's taught at Harvard or at, like, you know, at Michigan State, correct? But the, the fact of the matter is that 
both institutions would be like, nope, it's not quite the same. And because these walls come up, you know, students would be like, oh, crap, there's no point in taking it. Even if that's the best profit at Michigan State, you know what? I'm not going to do it because it's not worth the credit, right? Yeah. So, so, so there's a lot of walls that are put up. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think it's actually. I mean, it'd be so cool if it could happen. I mean, but I, I don't. The way it's structured right now, I think so much would have to change, right? Um, I don't know. Um, we really veered off the whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I know. So I know. That, that's okay. Um, no, so, but, it, but that that that's pretty much where I want to just put it out there. It's just because I, I think entertainment's the tip of the iceberg. I mean, um, I, I think everything from just uh, not only entertainment, but how you operate. We talked about education for a while, but like I'm even thinking, how do you? Uh, we we've seen this already with not just entertainment and education, but also everything from you know uh, doing your taxes to ordering groceries to like you know um, you know. Uh, effectively doing sort of like doing your taxes and all stuff that is all online and as you said already like this pandemic has forced us to really go all online and I, to me it's also forced us to re-examine what it is that we do outside of our little box like I, I look at the nth degree of this and it's basically it's the matrix where we just sit in our little box we're plugged in our brains are connected with whatever kind of media that we want and we're nourished in some way but uh you know you never had to leave the room and that to me is a very dystopian view, but I, I just thought that it was interesting to see how the pandemic has now not caused the world to dramatically live in fear of, of like, you know, communicable diseases. If anything, it's just forced us to rely more on this thing called the Internet. Um, so I thought that was a, a strange kind of soci social upheaval that, that has happened within the last few months. Yeah, we thought we relied a lot on the internet like before this happened. It's way more now, right? It's yeah. and then it's gonna get. I, I, the thing is, it's just gonna keep getting more and more, right? I mean, more things are gonna go online. More things are gonna, you know, um, be reliant on the internet than it was before, and, and then we're gonna have some gigantic uh, organization or whatever that hacks the internet and shuts it all down. We're all gonna die. On that note. Yes. On that note. <laughs> uh, uh, that is, uh, if you want to get in contact, we're, we're, we're going to stop. We're, mm -hmm. We could go on. I think we could talk about this for hours and hours because there's so many different aspects and ways to look at it and things that are being affected. And we just go on forever. Um, and, and probably before long, we'll do another COVID-19 because it's, it, it, it's the, uh, you know, topic to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously there's a whole racial relations things that's going on here in the United States. Oh, but. we're saving that. We're saving that for Rick. We're saving that for yeah. Rick. I think it would be the least appropriate for us to do talk about that and not have Rick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we shut out the only black guy on the idea. Anyways, if you want to get in contact with us, you can do so. Uh, I'm at MTWB on Twitter, Vince's VWHUI. Ricky, who's not here, is Ricky underscore Williams. Vince, um, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 3cast. You can email us at Email at the3cast.com. Uh, coming up next, we're either going to do Aladdin if Ricky decides to show up. That's yes. his choice, Aladdin. And I think we're going to find a movie that we all like for once. Um, we'll see. Um, well, okay. I think I think it's a matter of comparison, though. I think inevitably that comparison will come down. So we'll have, we'll have to hold on that one. Yeah. Um, or if he does, if he's not here, we're going to watch the movie Knives Out. Oh. Um, Nice call. 
supposedly I haven't watched it yet, but supposedly that's a really good movie. I'm really yep. looking forward to watching it. I've been hearing good things about it. I mean, it's Ryan Johnson's return to grace after messing up Star Wars, so yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, anyway, so those are our two options that will happen in, in probably a couple weeks. So uh, we'll see you then. All right, take care, guys. Stay safe. All right.